we're going to be over in the book of Romans, chapter 5, because no one else can tell it better. I'm just going to read this story. It's one of Paul Harvey's, the rest of the story. He was a professional thief. His name stirred fear as the desert winds stirs tumbleweeds. He terrorized the Wells Fargo stage line for 13 years, roaring like a tornado in and out of the Sierra Nevadas, spooking the most rugged frontiersmen in journals from San Francisco to New York. His name became synonymous with the danger of the frontier. During his reign of terror between 1875 and 1883, he is credited with stealing the bags and the breath away from 29 different stagecoach crews. And he did it all without firing a shot. His weapon was his reputation. His ammunition was intimidation. A hood hid his face. No victim ever saw him. No artist ever sketched his features. No sheriff ever tracked his trail. He never fired a shot or took a hostage. He didn't have to. His presence was enough to paralyze. Black Bart, a hooded bandit armed with a deadly weapon. What was his deadly weapon? It was one word. Fear. Fear has prevented many Christians from experiencing the blissful happiness that Jesus is defining in the Beatitudes. Fear of death, fear of failure, fear of God, fear of tomorrow, and the list goes on and on. Fear's goal is to create a cowardly, joyous, joyless soul. He wants you to take your eyes, he wants you to take your eyes off the mountain peak and settle for the dull existence of the flatlands. And by the way, remember Black Bart? As it turns out, he wasn't anything to be afraid of either. When the hood came off, there was nothing to fear. When the authorities finally tracked him down, they didn't find a bloodthirsty bandit from Death Valley. They found a mild-mannered druggist from Decatur, Illinois. The man the papers pictured storming through the mountains on horseback was in reality so afraid of horses he rode to and from his robberies in a buggy. He was Charles E. Bowles, the bandit who never fired a shot because he never once loaded his gun. We're beginning a new series today looking at the principles of reigning in life that very often we have forgotten some or not participated with some or not been focused on certain principles that can cause us to reign in life. But as Jesus, or as Paul put it in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We're called to reign in life. Yeah, a lot of times we aren't. Sometimes we reign in life in some areas and not in other areas. But there's some principles that we can follow that can help us to reign in this life and not just look forward to the one that comes. Sometimes we just write off the things that we suffer through down here and say, well, that's just going to be the way it is until I get up to heaven. Once I get up to heaven, it'll all be over. But that's not what the Scripture says. And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Do we need the gift of righteousness in heaven? It's down here we need the gift of righteousness. And down here where we need to reign in life. So we're going to look at some of these principles. We're going to start off here in Romans and just see what the rest of the things are in, in there. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to go back a, a few from where we first read. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Well, sin entered through Adam and spread to all. Now, this is a principle that we must understand. This is a principle that if you poll most Christians on the street, they'd say, yeah, 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 we know that. But folks, we haven't quite put this into everyday application to understand. It's important, so important. Paul teaches the whole thing, breaks it all down. He goes all the way back to Adam and said, sin entered through Adam and it spread to all people. That's an extremely important principle because most times we think that what we do affects us individually. We're very focused on that. How many of you are mindful of your sins? Mindful of, of your shortcomings. And a lot of times things go wrong in your life. You are mindful of your sins. You're mindful of your shortcomings. And you look to your shortcomings and you look to the things that you did to cause it. That mentality was in the disciples when they came up to the man who was born blind. When they come up to people that were born in the conditions. You know, who sinned? This man or his parents? Who sinned? Someone must have done it. It's the result of something. But we have not quite gotten the concept that what one person can do affects everyone. But that's what Paul is getting back to. So through Adam, sin spread to all. Sin does not enter into your life through you. Sin enters in because of what Adam did. It doesn't enter into you because of what Eve did. It entered in because of what Adam did. So it's through Adam that all have, that sin comes in. But sin is a doorway of death. God never intended Adam and Eve to die. That was never the intention. But if they did not die once they sinned, then they could never be redeemed. And that's why the tree of life was removed and they were removed from the presence of the tree of life. Because if they lived forever, there was no chance of redemption. But sin is the doorway for death. Understand this. How or when you sinned is not important. It doesn't matter how you sinned. It doesn't matter when you sinned. It doesn't matter if you waited until you were 10 years old till you finally sinned. If that really would have happened. It doesn't make any difference. You were born into sin. You were born into sin because of what Adam did. Nor does what you did impact this principle. It doesn't matter what you did. Well, I, How many times you heard people go around, well, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't do anything really bad. I've been pretty good. I've you know, tried to help people. Because they haven't caught the concept that's here that through one, sin entered. Through one, sin entered. Last one I put in there was it does not even matter if you sinned. You still entered into sin. We've gone over this principle again, but it always bears in mind repeating. Jesus is born of a virgin because sin enters through Adam. Sin enters through the man. So that's why it was said back in the book of Genesis that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that's how he bypassed being born into sin, by being born of a virgin. Don't ever get involved. You get involved in the church, you move away from here, you go someplace else, it'll never happen here. But if you move away somewhere, go someplace else, and get involved in the church, and they tell you the virgin birth is not that important, get up and leave. If they accept the principle that Jesus was not born of a virgin, they've accepted other things as well. 
And I've been amazed at how many Christians do not know how important it is that Jesus was born of a virgin, born without sin. If He was not born of a virgin, He could not be born without sin. He could not pay your penalty. So it's important. There are some, some very basic things, folks, that are important. And you make sure that uh, you move away from here, go someplace else, make sure that any church you're in believes those things. Wholeheartedly sticks with them. Jesus is born of a virgin. Jesus is God. There are churches out there that accept the fact that Jesus is not God. He was a created being of God. Some very popular churches. And they accept, accept it that way and they say, well, it's okay, you know, we're, we fall into this one because we just believe in God the Father being God and that Jesus was a, the highest of all His creations. You've taken away the plan of salvation. Jesus is God. He is not a created being. He is perfect. And He was born of a virgin. So, we've entered, he's discussed this, sin entered through Adam, spread to all. And it's in that death reigns because of sin. So death comes in and it reigns over us because of sin. Is anyone born in this world not going to die? No, but boy, you listen to the news media and you hear all the stuff that's going to kill you and they got to take this off the market and this off the market and this off the market because this will kill you and this will kill you and this will kill you and this will kill you. And people come up to me and say, don't eat that, that'll kill you. And don't do that, that'll kill you. And well, you know what? We're all going to die. I am in the process of dying. How about you? Yes. <laughs> What's the big deal? You know, don't don't eat red meat, that'll kill you. Don't eat any vegetables that aren't organic vegetables, that'll kill you. Watch out for the pesticides, that'll kill you. If you don't use the pesticides, the mosquitoes will kill you. <laughs> I mean, it's just all sorts of stuff. You, just everything out there is going to kill you. And you can just have all kinds of problems, you know, like, well, I can't buy that, I can't eat that, and look, this has the preservatives in it, it's going to kill me, and this has this in it, it's going to kill So what? You're going to die anyway. But you see, the media is geared up that you are intended to live forever. And, you know, just avoid all this sort of stuff, and, and it, it won't happen. It won't, you'll, no, don't worry about it. Now, be smart. If your spirit tells you not to do something, don't do it. But that's what you gotta, you gotta do. Death reigns over us because of sin. That's why death has that reign. If something reigns over us, does it always rule us? If something reigns over us, does it always rule us? Well, in this country, over the lives that you have lived, how many of you have served in this country under a president that you liked? and served under a president that you did not like. Hasn't that happened? I mean, just about everybody's, all the different ones, depending on how old you are, you know, you get a new president every four to eight years. Sometimes you get one, you like that one. Sometimes you get one, you don't like that one. Does that president reign over your country? And does he rule you? Just because something reigns over you does not mean that they rule you. That's an important principle to understand. In 1 Corinthians 15.25, He must reign, speaking of Christ, till He put all enemies under His feet. He must reign till He has put all enemies under His feet. Is not the fact that He reigns sufficient enough to put all enemies under His feet? He must reign till He has put 
all enemies under His feet. The very fact that you are called to a position of reigning does not necessarily mean you will rule over everything in your life. But apparently that's the goal. There are some things in your life right now that rule you. For some people, their appetite rules them. Right? Whenever they're hungry, they just go get it. Can't ever say no to appetite. Appetite's hungry, go get it. There are some people that TV rules them. There's all kinds of things in your life that can rule you. Fear can rule you. As we were talking about with that story with Black Bart. Well, in verse 15, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. So you had the first one. We had one offense, but condemnation amongst many people. But what Christ did was there's many offenses. Many people sinned, but all brought down to justification. Everyone was justified. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one. Death reigned in our lives because of the one. Much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So as much as you were under death and under sin through the power of Adam's sin, much more so are you to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ through the power of what He did. But I seem to say from looking at Christians that we are much more in touch with the power of Adam than the power of Jesus. That we are much more able to walk in the concept that death reigns over us and sin reigns over us than that we are to reign over life. Which means we give much more ascendancy to the power of Adam than to the power of Jesus. That's quite, not quite the way it should be, is it? Because which one is more powerful? Jesus is certainly. So the life that He gives is more powerful than the death that Adam gave. But we don't walk that way. And we're not reigning in life because we don't understand to the degree that we should. And so as sin entered through one, grace entered through one, what comes from God brings life, liberty, and justification. Whatever comes from God, folks, it brings life, it brings liberty, it brings justification. If it doesn't bring life, it doesn't bring liberty, it doesn't bring justification, it's probably not from God. What comes from Adam isn't, what Adam brought isn't life. It isn't liberty, and it isn't justification. We shouldn't take it. The results of what has come to you can tell you where it comes from. Just look at the results. If you've got a thought, if you've got something that comes in you, if you've got something that seems to reign in you, look at the results that it produces. The results will show you where it came from. Come from God? 
it didn't come from God, should we keep it? Verse 18, Therefore, as one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so as by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. There's always more grace than there is sin. No matter how much sin there is in the world, no matter how bad the world gets, there's always more grace. You never run out of grace. It's always plenty of it. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as sin reigned in death, the same way that sin reigned in death, the same way that death had that hold over you, the same way that sin had that hold over you, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've got to get rid of that mentality that keeps telling us every time something bad happens in our life, it's because I did something wrong. I must have missed it here. I blew it over there. I didn't do this over here. And it's the result of some sin. God's getting back to me for some sin, something that I did, whatever was going on. Now, I understand that sin has consequences and sin can bring effects and such things as that. But we've got to get out of that mentality because if I accept that mentality, then anytime something bad comes my way and the devil wants me to hang on to it, all he has to say is, yeah, well, you missed it before. Oh, I did. Oh, guess I can't fight against this. I, I blew it. Oh, I really blew it. Oh, I, I did it so... Mm. We get so caught up with the greatness of what we did, we lost sight of the greatness of what Jesus Christ did. And we stopped reigning in life because of what we've done. What Adam did had an effect upon me. Understand that. What Adam did, did have an effect upon you. What Jesus did has an effect upon you. It has an effect upon you. What I can do, or what, what I do can change, but not generate what comes from the first two. What I can do can change, but it cannot generate. I cannot generate death in my life, can I? Sorry there. I can't generate the hold that sin has on my life, can I? Well, I can respond to it. I can change it. I can alter that. But in the same way, I cannot generate the life that comes from Jesus Christ. The life that comes from God. I cannot generate that power to reign in life. But I can change it. I can alter it. When, that's the, when that power comes into my life, what happens to it? Where does it go? What does it do? When electricity comes into your house, do, can you not alter what it does? Depending upon what you plug in. But the power is still there. But I can, I can have it be functional. I can have it be useful in different ways. You can change, but you cannot generate what comes from those first two things. Look at Romans 6.12. We could have really get into the whole section here, Romans, but this is going to be good enough for us right now. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. You have the ability to, to tell sin, you cannot reign here. If it does reign in your life, 
who let it? Who let Adam get into the garden? Or who let Adam, who let the, the serpent get into the garden? It was Adam. Adam allowed that to happen. He was supposed to rule and reign over that. He was supposed to have charge over it. He didn't do it. The serpent gets in. He doesn't tell that serpent to get out. He just lets that go on. And all the serpent did was to get on in and begin to sow a thought. And that thought began to rule Eve. The possibilities began to rule Adam. Boy, I wonder what would happen if that does. We we could be like God. Knowing both good and evil. And this is still the same way that he works today. He's going to come on and he's going to sow a thought. He's going to put something in. But he needs something first. When it says do not let, it means it needs permission from me. Permission is needed. You must grant permission to the thing. It won't just roll and rain in you. You must give it permission to do so. Well, that's my arthritis acting up again. My grandmother had that. My mother had that. And I guess I just I have to bear it myself. What would you just do? I gave that thing permission to reign in my life. Well, I got another headache. I always get these things. No matter what I do, they're always there. Where's that thought come from? I gave her permission. See, the first time that stuff came on you, the thought comes in and you're instantly reminded of Grandma. Instantly reminded of Mom. How many of you have a condition that is spoken about, that you've done research on it, and you know that it's, it has, the, has to do with um, uh, genes? It's a genetic condition. And it can be passed on. And once you found out that your father had it, your mother had it, your aunt had it, your whoever had it, what happens? The, the thought comes in and you begin to think, so-and-so had that and that's hereditary. I could get that. And so then what do you do? You begin to look up all the stuff that you can. How can I avoid getting this? This thing is beginning to come in. It's beginning to rule you. And you begin to eat all the things to, to keep that thing from getting on you. You begin to do all the different things you can do to try and keep that thing from getting a hold of you. But what's it done? The thought is now ruling you. Don't let it rule you. I'm not telling you not to go out there and do any kind of preventive things, you know, eat some good foods for you and stuff like that. God will give you wisdom on how to eat foods and how to avoid different things of that nature. But don't get all fear about it. I mean, cancer has so many people in fear anymore. AIDS had so many people in fear. These kind of conditions. And the fear just ruled us. Oh, that's going to be that way the rest of my... Oh, this could come upon me. Oh, what happens about this? What about over... Oh, what about over here? And this could come in. And that could come in. But how many of you have also done the opposite thing? And people have said, you're going to have that all your life. And inside you said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I am not going to have that all my life. And every time you came into the doctor's office and got the checkup, and got the thing, there's a, that's, that's going to be there all your life. You're going to have to deal with that. And inside yourself, you're going, no, I'm not. What are you, what are you doing? I am not giving that thing permission to rule in my life. That's all you're doing. Think back when you were a kid. This stuff is a little easier for us to take some time. And you were, you know, four years old, five years old, and you saw a commercial for a scary movie. And you went to bed that night and you knew what was in the closet. 
Right? Remember that? You knew what was in that closet. Oh, I know what's in that closet. It's going to come out and get me too. And it got you so caught up with fear, you couldn't sleep. You're just looking at that closet, just waiting for that door to open. I know that door's going to open. And the thing's going to come out. It's going to eat me. And you begin to cry and to fuss and mom or dad would come on in and they'd talk to you about it and you'd tell them about your fear, what was in that closet. And they'd, uh, you know, some of them, some, some of my mom and dads, they might laugh at you. Other ones, they would say, no, 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 it's not there. And they turn the light on and they take you on over to the closet and they open the closet door and they show you inside and it's not there and they put you back in bed. And, and then after that, you know, they turn the light off and you know it's back. It was hiding for just a little while, but now it's back. And you get fussing again and mom or dad would come on in and they'd find out, you know, what's going on now. I know it's back. I know, I know you showed me it's not in there, but it came back. I know it's back. I know it's in there. What are you doing? You are letting yourself be ruled by these things. How many of you slept when you were a kid with the light on? If the light wasn't on in the room, the light's on in the hallway, you want a light on somewhere, somehow having that light on made you feel better. Just want that light on. Just need that light. And as soon as that light would go off, what would happen? Fear. Fear. Oh, no. What happened? When our kids were real little, we had a, the house we were at, we found these little gizmos that you put, you know, I love gadgets. This is a nice simple gadget. You put this gadget in the light bulb and it just screwed it right in there before the light bulb and it put the light bulb on a timer. And the light was with time. And you could buy one for 15 minutes. You could buy them for 30 minutes. You could buy them for an hour. We bought 30-minute timers. And all you did to, to trigger it was you turned the light on and immediately the it was triggered. And you had 30 minutes of light just in case you ever forget to turn it off and it would turn off the light by itself. But before it would turn off the light, it would flash two times to let you know you got about two minutes and the light's going out. And so the kids began to learn about this. And so, you know, they wanted the light on for the, they had 30 minutes. But then all of a sudden the light would flash and they'd know, I've only got two more minutes of light left. And they'd call down, Mom and Dad, can you flip the light for us? Because <laughs> if you flip the light, you reset the timer. You know, and sometimes we give in and we go ahead on there and, and flip the light and they got 30 minutes. But, you know, that light isn't preventing anything from coming in the room, is it? I mean, you think back as an adult now, is that light doing anything good for you? It's not doing you any good at all. It's not helping one bit. It's just a light. But boy, did it make you feel better. And just the fact that you felt better made it so that that fear didn't seem to reign over you. You weren't afraid to go to bed. You weren't afraid to go to sleep, were you? You were okay. But you know what? The fear still reigned over you. You never stop the fear from reigning over you. Because as soon as the light would go out, what would happen? If that light was on for a month, solid, never thought about it, and then all of a sudden one time the light burned out and there's no light bulb in there, and there's no light, what happens to you inside? Ah, there's no light. There's no light. I need the light. I'm afraid. And fear began to get hold of you. Nothing's changed. It's just the light's gone. Because that fear has ruled and reigned over you. And it has caused you to change things and to alter your behavior so that you don't recognize that the fear is there. But the fear is still there. 
the fear is still reigning over you. You've just put a mask on it for now. And we do the same thing spiritually. We've got a whole lot of things that we've, we've put masks over them. And we've done things with it. Some people got into the whole thing, you know, organic, organic eating. And because, you know, all the studies and all the things that were helping out and they were paying more money to get organic food. And I'm not telling you that, you know, you wasted your money or that was a bad thing or you shouldn't do that at all. God tells you to do that kind of sort of stuff. You should go out there and do it. God tells you to. But what's to say that some of these stores aren't selling you organic stuff and putting inorganic things in it? And you're just happy to pay more money for it because it says organic. And you feel at ease. Yeah, well, the, the, the store said it was organic. It has to be good. They wouldn't say it was organic if it wasn't. It must be organic. Because they had the sign right over top. And you saw it right over top. And it costs more money than the other stuff did. It has to be better for you. And you rest behind that. And then what happens if a news report, report comes out that some health food store that you like to go to was found that you'd be using normal, everyday produce in their organic section? I've been eating that stuff because I thought it would keep this thing out and keep this thing out and not have this. Now all of a sudden that fear grabs hold of you because you hid behind something else. You put a mask on it. You didn't deal with it. When you reign in life, God wants you to deal with the fear and eradicate it. Have it be gone. It's not around. It's out. Dealing with fear is not simply putting a mask over it, putting a band-aid over it, making it so that no one can see it. And if no one can see it, if I'm not mindful of it all the time, then it must be gone. And that's why we're not reigning in life a lot of times the way we should. Because we put masks on things. And I'm hiding behind things. As long as I can hide behind all that, I'm alright. We know that God's, the word, God's Word says He's our provider. And I feel real good about God being my provider as long as I have $50,000 in the bank. Isn't that right? I mean, I, God is my provider. Glory to God is my provider. I've got $50,000 in the bank. And a good job. But God is my provider. God is my provider. Then what happens if the good job goes away? Well, God is my provider. I still got the $50,000 in the bank. And what happens if the bank gets whittled down or the bank... Have one of those bank runs on it and all that $50,000 is gone now. What happens? You still going around, God is my provider? Or are you saying, <gasps> my $50,000 account is gone? People ran into that last year when the stock market went down. They had great big pensions and those things kind of went away. Not as big as they were before. Don't give it permission. Don't let this stuff to get into your life and get permission. Because what happens when I need the light on and I feel that if I just have the light on, I won't be afraid. And I give in and I turn, I, I want the light on. And every night I want the light on. I have given permission for that fear to reign in my body. And I'm just going to do some things to appease it. But as soon as I can't appease it, it rises up. But I gave it permission to reign in my body. And then that fear comes in and oh, is it strong? Oh, it's so strong. How do I give permission to the thing? 
First off, with my mind. The thoughts and meditations of my mind. I begin to think on these things. I begin to think, everyone around you is getting cancer. Everyone in the papers are talking about cancer. All these things you're reading, they cause cancer. Your aunt so-and-so had cancer. Your Uncle Bill had cancer. Guess what you're going to get? Cancer. <laughs> and that thought first comes in and we say, No! I am not! I am not going to let that thing rule with me! And then we find that if I drink this or eat this or avoid these things, that I won't get cancer. I'm not as likely to get cancer. And so I begin to do all these sort of things and eat all these things and drink all these things and then all of a sudden they come out with another report that says, that won't help you. <gasps> I gave permission for that fear to reside on the inside of me. I put a mask on it and now that the mask is gone, the light is out. It is in me very strong. It is rooted down on the inside of me. And now, I have cancer. I thought this stuff would keep me from getting it. I could get it. And the thought comes in over and over. All these things. It comes in from your, your mind. Your mouth. I give permission with my mouth. How many times have we said things with our mouth? Well, I'm probably just going to get that. I just feel like this is getting, getting worse. I just feel like this is it's, it's not any better. I just feel like that's going to come back. Oh, I was, I was thinking I was free of that, but mm, I guess not. It's with my mouth. And then sometimes we're like Adam with my inaction. I stand there and look at the serpent talking to my wife and I don't do anything about it. Inaction. Sometimes these things just come in and we just stand on the sidelines and we don't do anything about it. Don't let this stuff come in. If you want to rule and reign in life, we've got to stand up as soon as this stuff begins to show its head. Is this of God? If it's not of God, get it out. Don't let it come in. Some of the things that... We've already talked about this, but have I been freed from fear? Have I been freed from fear? Can it rule over me? I've been freed from fear, but it can still rule over me, can it? Just as Jesus... That verse we looked at over in 1 Corinthians, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Put all enemies under your feet. Don't let anything stand up against you. Anything. Stand up against it. Fear, don't let it rule over you. Have you been freed from sin? Nobody. Have we been freed from sin? Amen. Yeah, we've been freed from sin. Amen. But can sin rule over me? Sure I can. If I give it the opportunity. You've been freed from sin. But you let your mind wander off into that sin. You let your mouth speak some things about that sin. You're giving it permission. And it's going to come in and it's going to sit in there. You don't need this stuff. Have I been freed from depression? Haven't we been freed from... Because God called us to be... Be full of depression. Go forth and be full of depression. 
No, he wants us to be full of joy. He wants our life to be happy. This is what he wants us to be filled with, but how many times do we go out as Christians and we are filled with depression? How does that get hold of us? Oh, what was me? Life is so hard. It's so difficult. Oh, I just don't like it here. Oh, it's just so terrible. Oh, I don't like my job. I don't like my house. I don't like my dog. I don't like any cats. I don't like my shoes. I don't like my clothes. I don't like my car. I don't have a pool. I don't have a house. I only have an apartment. I don't like my apartment. Oh, if I only had a had we would just go on. Oh, if I only had this, and if I only had that, and if this was only better, and if my husband was only handsomer, and now we just we just go on. We meditate on these things, and we think on these things. And because I'm thinking on these things, what am I doing? I'm giving permission for this thing to reign in my life. That's why the Word of God says, "Take thought, take every thought captive." You got to take these things captive. Because then depression comes in. And then we go on and we sing this song and we read the verse about being filled with joy and we say, oh, but God, I'm not filled with joy. And God says, well, no wonder. Look what you're thinking on. Look what you're meditating on. You've got to be careful of the stuff that you put in. You all know that if you feed yourself on a steady diet of refined sugar, what happens to your energy level? I mean, it just saps you. You're just dragging. It's just not real good because your body wasn't made for that. A little bit of sugar is fine. Have some sugar. But if that's all you eat, if all you eat is a steady diet of Twinkies and Ding-Dongs and Yodels, eventually that's going to catch up with you. There's no nutrition there. Your body needs nutrition. That's just stuff. It's just stuff to hold you over. You like, like a Twinkie every now and then? You go ahead. You don't have fear about it. You go ahead and enjoy the Twinkie. But don't just don't eat just Twinkies. You know, I have a fun time with you all. Just You know, I go to a buffet. What do I eat? Meat. You know, I eat meat. But I do eat my vegetables at home. I just don't eat them at the, at the buffet. If I'm going to a buffet, I'm going to get my money's worth. But at home, I eat vegetables. I eat, what, four? Four. I think I eat four different vegetables. I eat potatoes. I eat corn. I eat peas. And I eat lima beans. Once in a while, green beans. Like the green beans every once in a while. Is there anything else? Carrots. I eat carrots. There we go. I got another one. So I'm doing all right. I've got all these ve- these vegetables. I eat. I'll eat raw broccoli and raw cauliflower. I don't like either of those things cooked real well, but I like them raw. I'll eat them and I'll I'll do that. I just won't do it when I'm out at a buffet. But you know, you go out to one of those restaurants and you get a platter and they put vegetables on it. I'll eat them. Because I know you have to have a well-rounded meal. And you got to make sure that your diet is well-rounded, that you get all kinds of things in there. Because we are, we are made to be omnivores. That's how God made us. You know what an omnivore is? You eat both meats and vegetables. I always laugh at those uh, animal commercials. You know, the dog food and the cat food is one they have up there. They're, they're really nice. I think it's dog food. 
I think it's a dog food one. Fancy, fancy feast, I guess, is cat food, but I, it's whatever this is. And they got all these vegetables and things coming down into the, uh, into the, uh, the, the dish, yeah. and all these vegetables. And I'm looking at it. And it says, "Do you know what a dog is? <laughs> a dog is a carnivore. They don't eat vegetables. They're not made to eat vegetables. Now, some of you have vet dogs that eat vegetables, but they're not made to eat them. They are made to eat meat." That's why God, God made them as carnivores. They are made to eat meat. Stop feeding your dog carrots. <laughs> They're not made for carrots. They're made for meat. That's why I like Tucker. Tucker, you give him a piece of lettuce, he will lick it clean and spit it out. He will not eat it. He knows I'm a dog. I don't eat lettuce. But we just had the biggest kick out of it. We keep giving him lettuce. <laughs> and he gets excited. Every time he comes over, oh, you're giving me food. He spits it out and looks for more. You could pick up that same piece of lettuce and give it to him again. He'll eat it with enthusiasm and then spit it out. <laughs> he knows, I don't eat that. we got to know what it is that we eat and eat those things that we need to have. God made your body to work in a certain way. Feed it right. But He made your mind to work in a certain way too. Don't be thinking on thoughts of depression. When you get in those times and you're thinking about how hard life is, how bad your job is, how horrible your family is, even if it's true. <laughs> Don't sit there and think on it. Don't sit there and meditate on it. Get free of it. You may have the worst family in the world. And some of you do. <laughs> That's all right. Just don't sit there and think on it. Get on there and think on what God has for you. Father God, You have called me into a blessed existence. I just thank You that I'm here on this earth to do Your will. I'm looking forward to the time I go up there with You too. But for the time I'm down here, I am looking forward to doing Your will, serving You, learning about Your Word. Going, Think about good things and depression won't get a hold of you. Well, have I been freed from ignorance? Well, God gave us the spirit of truth. Which means you're free of ignorance. The Spirit of God is here to give you the Spirit of truth. He's here to teach you in all things. So you shouldn't be ignorant of anything. The Word of God says in James that if any man lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. And God gives sparingly to everyone who asks. Liberally. How many times do we think thoughts of ignorance? Well, I'll never know about that. Well, I'll never be able to to get hold of those things, do that sort of stuff. Mm -mm, I'll never, no, I'll never get on that one. Nope. Don't, don't be thinking thoughts of ignorance. You'd be thinking thoughts, Father God, you gave me the mind of Christ. I can, I can get that. Now there might be some things you don't want to get. There are some. I am ignorant on on how you know all the operations of cars and stuff. I know some basic things, but I'm ignorant about the rest of it. You know why? Because I don't want to know. I don't desire to know. I, don't, I can go to God and say, that, God, I could learn that if I wanted to. I don't want to. There's other people who spent time learning that and I am glad to use them. And I just use them. But don't go around there saying, well, I'll never know when, on something that you need to know or want to know. Don't ever go around and say that. Not saying that you have to know everything about everything. That's why we rely on other people and we have the body. We have people that know how to do this and how to take care of that and Go ahead and rely on them for those things, but don't go around there confessing ignorance. 
think in ignorance, going on about that. No, you're not, you don't have to be that way. Father God, anything I need to know, I can know. You can teach me and I can hear it. Any situation at work, any situation at home that you need to deal with, God will give you wisdom on it. And you should just go around saying, Father God, I thank you. I know how to deal with that situation. I don't know what to do right now, but by the time I need to make a move, by the time I need to do something, I'll know. I'm free from ignorance. There is nothing in this life I need to be ignorant of. I don't need to be ignorant about how to raise my kids. I don't need to be ignorant about how to be a good spouse. I don't need to be ignorant about how to cook, how to take care of a home, how to do the things that I need to do. I can know all things that I need to know. Well, have I been freed from sickness? But a lot of times we're thinking sickness thoughts. Just be careful. It's alright to get out there and to, and to feed your body and to do the things that you should do that are, oh, this is, this is good stuff to be eating this and this is good stuff to be drinking that. That's all fine. But if you're getting to the spot that you're beginning to think, if I do this, I'll prevent this from happening. You are putting a mask over that fear and when it surfaces, it's going to be stronger yet. Don't put a mask on it. First off, deal with the fear. I am not doing this because I am afraid. I am doing this because God gives me wisdom on it. And if God told me to do it, then I'm doing it because God told me to do it. But see, sometimes we're out there because, you know, some publication, some news thing says, you know, eat pomegranates. If you eat pomegranates, I don't know what they're supposed to do for you, but I'm sure they're supposed to do something that's an odd fruit. Any odd fruit has to have some something that uh, it should do. So you... You're going out there and you eat all the pomegranates you get. You go out there and you have them shipped in from outside the place and because of this report that you read. And then somebody else publishes a report that says they're no good for you. In fact, they'll kill you. They'll take 10 years off your life. Now fears open the door. See, you don't do that. Eat pomegranates because God says eat them. You read a report on it and you take it to God. Say, God, should I be messing with pomegranates? God says, eat some of those things. They would be good for you. All right, God, I'll go ahead and do that. And then when the report comes out and says pomegranates will kill you, what do you say? Oh, I didn't eat them because you said so. I ate them because God said so. And you're fine. And the fear can't get root in you. You're reigning in life because you did what God said to do. If you did a situation, if you handled a situation, you're not ignorant of any situation. You're going to reign in life with your kids. You're going to reign in life with your spouse. You're going to reign in life with your family. You're going to reign in life on your job. And a situation comes upon you and you go to God and says, God, I am not ignorant in any situation. You will give me the knowledge that I need. You will give me the wisdom that I need for this thing. I'm asking for you from it. And God tells you what to do and it seems like it falls apart. It seems like it got worse. Anybody ever done that? You did what God said to do and it seemed like it got worse. You are called to reign in life. Do not sit there and say, boy, I guess I really just don't know what to do. This thing's going to kill me. This thing's going to destroy me. I'm going to lose my job over this thing. Don't give in all that. Why did you do it? Because God said. See, you go back to God and say, Father God, it looks like it's worse now than it was before. But I did it because you said so. I didn't do it because so-and-so said so. I did it because you said so. So I'm sticking by that. You told me to do it. It looks like it's worse now, but you told me to do it. But we're called to reign in life. And I'm not going to give in to fear. And I'm not going to give in to anything else. I will reign in this situation. 
You want me to do anything different? You want me to add to anything that I've done? Then you tell me. But you hang on to what you did. You just don't, you don't change it. You keep on going. Because God said it. What you do in this life should be ordained by God. And not by some medical report. And not some by fear, some fear specialist. Not some relationship analyst. Or anything like that. It should be done because God said so. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to go about this? Do what God says. You can be free from fear, sin, depression, ignorance, and they will not reign over you. Don't let them reign over you. You can reign over them. There's a story back in the 1500s. Ivan IV. How many know of him? Tsar of Russia. Actually, he's known better as Ivan the Terrible. That was his name. You know that name better, don't you? Ivan the Terrible. He was known for all his immoral, and he's just an immoral and violent man. Just He was nasty. He was not a guy that you would want to sit down and have coffee with. This is a, this is a nasty guy. He married seven women. He abused every one of them. Nastily. Just horrible things that he would do. His idea of a good time was he would go up into the high walls of his castle and he would throw animals down from it onto the sidewalk below to watch them die. Isn't that amazing? That was his thing for fun. Now, when he died, do you think that Ivan the Terrible made it to heaven? I don't know what he did towards the end of his life, whether he changed anything or, or did anything, but this is, this is what he uh, asked. He died in the year of 1584, and uh, historians tell us that they prepared his body just the way that he had asked for it to be prepared. And they did not put his kingly clothes on. They put the clothes of a monk on him. Because his idea was, when, I, when God sees me, I want him to see a monk and maybe then he'll let me in. No matter what you put on it, fear is fear. No matter how you dress it up, whether you put a light on outside and cover up the fear, whether you change your diet, change this or change that, fear is fear. And fear will rule you if it can. Sin will rule you. Depression will rule you. Don't give these things permission to be in your life. Don't let them reign in your life. If you do anything out of fear and you do not deal with it, it will only get worse. Don't do things out of fear. Do things because you're led. Because God says. Because when God says to do something and it gets worse, you say, that's alright, that's what God said to do. We're doing what God said. Just like Paul. Paul did what God said and in some situations got worse. But God, I, did, I went what you said. I did what you said and it got worse. But he didn't sit there and complaining and grumbling. He just went on. And it worked out alright. We want to look at, at uh, some principles to help us out in this. Because we want to reign in life. We don't want sickness and disease to reign over us. We don't want fear to reign over us. We don't want depression to reign over us. It won't take us too many weeks to go over just the basic principles in the Word of God to help us reign in life. But we need to see what some of those are, get reminded of some of those things so that this stuff does not reign over us. We're going to look at people in the Word of God who let the wrong things reign over them, people who let the right things reign over them, how they did it and what they did. It's always good to see examples of what's in the, in the Word of God on these things.
But you are called to reign in life. Sin caused death to reign in life. Jesus caused life to reign in you. That's how we need to be walking. If you have any of these things, any of these conditions, or any other ones that you thought of that I didn't get into. Oh, this is always hanging on me. Oh, this is always weighing me down. This is always, always there. You can reign over them. You can get them out of your life. And just, you do things because God said so. And no matter what the world says about it, it's alright. God said it was okay. And you just go on with that. This morning we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. What Jesus did on the cross enabled us to reign in life. What one man did that brought about the dominance of sin, Jesus did the opposite to bring the dominance of righteousness, the dominance of life. Righteousness is far stronger. Grace is far stronger. But so often we act in this life like these other things are stronger. They are not. The life of God is the most powerful thing that we have. You've got the life of God in you. You've got the love of God in you. You've got everything that God has, He's made available to you. And we are called to rule and to reign. Don't just sit there and say, well, I'll rule and reign on the other side. No, you can rule and reign right here. Whatever the world tells us, whatever the world tells us, how much weight it has in your life is up to you. If you've done over the last number, number of years, we've tried to get you all to train yourselves that whatever the world tells you, to doubt it. I hope you do that. I hope you continue to do that. Every time you hear a news, one of those, you all don't listen to the news I know anymore. <laughs> But if you're watching TV and they do one of those blip news things and they say something, I hope your first thing is, I doubt that. I doubt that. Just because they're saying it. That's how it should be. We should just doubt whatever it is that they had to say. Because they're godless. We should not put that kind of power into their hands. What has God said? Has God said you're freed from fear? Has God said you're free from depression? Has God said you're free from sickness and disease? Has God said it? If God said it, He meant it. And that's how we need to live. Now, I'll bet you most of you can, can sit here today and say, in my life, the way I have lived my life, I have not been free from sickness and disease all my life. I have not been free from depression all my life. I've not been free from ignorance all my life. There have been times that I've been under these things. But does that mean that we were not called to reign over them? Because I didn't walk that way. I've had many times in my life that I'm being ruled by some things instead of ruling them. But we can change it. We've got to stay mindful of what the Word of God says and don't be like Adam. Stand there on the sidelines and just watch it go on. Would you all stand up with me?